Hi, welcome to Reset Your Mindset by Life Stance Health. Myself, Dwight Thompson, and my co-host, Nicolette Lianza, will bring you conversations with leading Life Stance Health professionals who will help guide you on your journey to positive mental health and well-being. At Life Stance, we believe in the three pillars of mental health, mental flexibility, mindfulness, and resilience. Welcome back, everyone. Today, myself, Dwight Thompson, and my co-host, Nikki Lianza, are joined by Melanie Falls for a really exciting conversation centered around Pride Month. Melanie is going to explain to us what Pride Month means to her and what Pride Month means to folks in the LGBTQ community here in our nation. Uh, Melanie, welcome. Glad to be here. And thank you for joining us, Melanie. Can we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself? Certainly. Um, I've been a uh, licensed independent uh, social worker for oh, more than 30 years, uh, working um, in, as a clinician, also uh, working in administrative uh, work around mental health. And one of my um, major focuses of work is to um, understand work with the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, which has been undergoing um, many changes over the time that I've been involved in this work. Uh, I currently uh, am in private practice uh, with Life Stance and um, see many LGBTQ plus clients in my practice. Great. No, thank you. And, and let's jump in. What do you feel are some of the biggest issues and obstacles facing the, the community today? Um, there are uh, many of the same obstacles that uh, LGBTQ plus people have experienced um, since time began, um, particularly in our country, over the history of our country. Uh, that is one of uh, recognizing their sexuality and having so many people in the mainstream of um, the population not understand um, being the target of bullying, um, trying to grasp what their feelings mean uh, when they first begin to surface and they surface um, in varying ages during various times, um, being the target of ridicule, um, not having um, a tremendous amount of um, resources, although that is changing, fortunately. Uh, they're working and undergoing the same stresses that um, have been around. I will say that over the last 20 years and getting better as we move toward over the last 10 years, five years, uh, the uh, general population has seen more examples of LGBTQ plus people. So for instance, Will and Grace, uh, that was one of the first mainstream examples that found many people loving the show, watching the show, and beginning to get 
um, some sense that um, people, LGBTQ people are, are just like everyone else in most respects. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as we get closer to today, many more examples have uh, risen. And I, I start with the media because the media is often where um, not only adults begin to uh, get some impressions and some sense of normalization, but children right. uh, yeah. begin to get that sense of seeing if they are gay. See, and I'm using gay as kind of an umbrella term for every um, uh, LGBTQ plus person. Uh, seeing gay people in the mainstream. And that has been a good thing. That has been helpful. Uh, we also uh, have um, the government making some changes. So for instance, the biggest change um, was in 2015 when the federal, the Supreme Court ruled that um, marriage was for LGBTQ plus people was the law of the land. Right. Um, that was one of those major uh, milestones. Mm -hmm. However, and I think it's important to really pause here. However, that does not mean that it turned the tide for people and that we are all equal. In fact, um, along with the historical challenges, we are currently experiencing a backlash, I would uh, describe, um, where certain groups of people um, really are going on overdrive to try to take rights away, especially mm -hmm. for transgender people. Mm -hmm. Our, uh, the LGBTQ plus community has, uh, has seen some progress, uh, but that does not necessarily include the transgender community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we know that um, we are discovering and more transgender young people are, are coming out. And as that happens, their existence becomes severely challenged. Um, there are 20 plus states right now uh, who in their state legislatures are trying to pass laws that very directly discriminate against LGBT or uh, against transgender people um, around wow. sports, around medical care. Uh, so we have the old challenge, and we have a more vehement new challenge. Melanie, the word that you continue to utter and continue to that we continue to hear is challenge, right? And so. I think it's important to be transparent about the fact that yes, the progress that you pointed out, some of it is tangible and real. Um, but challenge, like you said, challenge there so many times. And to me, hence the reason for pride, right? Um, hence the reason for spending time to be prideful, to not only be, I think to not only be a part of the community for those that are LGBTQ plus, but also for those around them and supporting them and having the pride to support them. I think, um, at least for me, that's something that I'm, I'm just kind of taking away from what you're saying is I know that we're having this conversation centered around pride and 
that's the reason for it. All the things that you just outlined are the reason that we celebrate Pride Month. Exactly. Um, and what you uh, refer to uh, is allyship, um, meaning that those who support the LGBTQ plus community, our allies, our heterosexual allies, our straight allies. Um, and ally doesn't mean only accept. Right. Ally means celebrate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Celebrate mm -hmm. that uniqueness and um, the um, affirm the person. So I, I, in the time that I've been working um, with this um, community, I have recognized a movement um, to acceptance, um, to celebration. And that is what Pride's about. The first Pride, um, some people know, but many people don't, was in 1969. It was at the Stonewall Inn in New York. Sure. where a group of transgender people predominantly um, began to say, no, enough, we are not going to mm -hmm. take this. And um, actually, um, there's a T-shirt that's uh, going around, the first pride was a riot. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was a riot mm -hmm. um, that said, stop, we're not going to take this. And since it's evolved into the celebrations that you see now, mm -hmm. uh, and Every year I've been to Pride um, probably for 25 years now in various cities. Every year, more and more straight folks are coming, yeah. more, and more allies are coming. Yeah. And that yeah. is that is a, a real um, good thing, a support for all of us. I agree with you 1,000%. Allies are so important to the community. Can you tell us a few ways that allies can do more for the community? Yes, there are so many ways. I, I think it's um, this is a place to say that um, every family, and I usually don't uh, talk in hyperbole, um, and this isn't, every family has in their family someone who is LGBTQ+. They may not know but they do because every LGBTQ plus person is born into a family. Um, families, uh, the, the uh, comfort with coming out or not uh, for young people is often very complicated and very tricky. And sometimes, oftentimes it depends on the kind of atmosphere they have grown up in and what parents have conveyed about their feelings um, around homosexuality, transgender. Um, um, parents never know when children are listening and it is pertinent to them or pertinent to perhaps a friend that they have. So I would say um, to begin with, I would invite every parent um, or everyone planning to be parents, to really examine their beliefs, uh, their belief system about this topic and seek to understand. And there are many places you can go to understand. Uh, so that would be a very fundamental foundation. Um, allies can do so many things from 
frankly, being brave enough to speak out when they hear slurs and they are pretty consistent and constant if you yeah. really listen for them and stop and say, you know, well, that, you know, what a faggot. Right. You know, no, uh, that, that offends me. Um, please don't use that kind of language. Take some courage, uh, but it's very important. So that's a, a very organic thing that can be done. And then we've got many um, organizations, many things that um, allies can do to volunteer. What kind of, what, what organizations, what kind? Can you list a, list a couple? Uh, well, there are many. They range from local organizations all the way to national organizations. Uh, for instance, uh, starting locally in this Cleveland area, which is where I'm from, there is the LGBT Community Center. That's an amazing center, for sure. It's an amazing center, and it's on Detroit Avenue in Cleveland, and it serves um, youth all the way to seniors. There's a very, very active senior program there. At the state level, there is Equality Ohio, and Equality Ohio works um, with uh, the state legislature. With uh, They have a, a legal clinic in Cleveland that people can access from all over the state to help LGBTQ plus people understand um, their rights and uh, what to do if they feel they've been violated. And then there's the Human Rights Campaign, and the Human Rights Campaign um, happens to be a, an organization that I have volunteered with for about the last 20 years um, and, and now sit on the board of directors. They are an organization that began 40 years ago and they began uh, to uh, start looking at the, um, the legal issues around discrimination of LGBTQ plus people but they have expanded to now have a very um, a 501c3, which is a service side. They do education in schools with teachers. They do uh, HIV AIDS uh, education. They do um, uh, national, international work in some of the countries that have um, not only discriminated against LGBTQ plus people, but to the degree that they arrest and kill them. Um, they have on their uh, C4 side, they have a litigation team that actually takes litigation to the various courts when they uh, find a case that is evidence of discrimination. Uh, HRC has an opportunity for well, they, they have literally six million members, and each of those members has an opportunity to do volunteer work in various areas. The large states or the large cities have local steering committees that do work throughout the, um, the local um, area. So there are many opportunities. Um, yeah. Great resources. Um, I, I as, a, as a member of the HRC myself, I can attest to... Um, what you said, uh, incredible work being done. Um, one thing I, I kind of want to shift to is um, when we talk about allyship, 
and sort of piggyback off of what you kind of referred to, my biggest takeaway from that was the support um, for kind of carrying the baton, if you will. Um, you know, a, a lot of conversations sort of center out center around the LGBTQ plus community and, and pushing for rights on their own. But I think a lot of times it, what really where change really starts to happen is when folks that aren't part of the community are supporting that community and really doing mm-hmm. the legwork. Right. Um, right. And so mm-hmm. and I just think I think it's important for listeners and anyone listening to this to really take that seriously, because um, certain communities can scream all they want. But, you know, if the rest of the community around them that's not physically a part of it isn't doing the work, then nothing's going to happen. And that's just the reality of it. Exactly. You're so right. Um, the straight community, the heterosexual community, um, they go, it goes, the allies go by many kind of group names. Sure. They are in many ways can be the heroes sure. of the movement and in many ways have been the heroes of the movement. And that isn't to take away from uh, LGBTQ plus people who have risked their lives. And many have. It isn't to take away from that. But I think it's to lift up the straight community and say, you are important. Mm-hmm. You are um, often the door that we that, that you can give us to walk through or the partner that we need to continue to move forward. Um, president Biden, when he was Vice President Biden in 2014, um, in a, um, a news interview, was asked, do you support marriage equality? And he said, yes. Um, well before he was supposed to, by the way, in terms of what the administration was asking. But just that interview opened the door. It swung it wide mm-hmm. for people to listen, to understand, um, and to really get ready. There are many other things that helped, but to get the country ready for the next right. next change. One of the things I've noticed in my work with the younger generation, Generation Z, those kids, those adolescents are way more open to the community, to coming out as LGBTQ+. And I find that just so amazing. So Melanie, I ask you, what else can we do to continue to help nurture that with our younger generations? Yes, I'm, I'm so glad you, uh, you bring that up there has been a significant increase percentage-wise of young people who are coming out, who are identifying um, other than heterosexual, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, uh, non-gendered. In fact, there's been about a 10% plus increase in uh, kids who have been identifying. I think that... um, that has a lot to do with the openness of the communication uh, around the topic, not suggesting that it's some kind of an imitation. I think it's very real. And they uh, fortunately feel that they can uh, identify and can work through it. And they have friends who are supportive. Um, Mm -hmm. 
more supportive than in any generation in the past. Uh, you see a lot of gay-straight alliances in high schools. You see uh, school counselors who are educated and able to help. You see programs like HRC's uh, school program go in and help faculty understand. So the answer to how people can help, again, it starts with the parents. Um, I think it's important to recognize that parents may have initial uh, struggle with this. Um, parents in general envision their kids to grow up as a girl or a boy and uh, 21st century aside, uh, we still identify you know, certain mm -hmm. characteristics around those um, genders. So mm -hmm. it's understandable that parents might struggle, but there are many ways to help the parents embrace and come to terms and then become an ally for mm -hmm. their child. Um, then that can extend out to the friend circle, to the extended family circle. Will there be people who will not accept it, who will uh, believe that it's unnatural or unacceptable or both? Yes, there will be. Uh, but parents can recognize that and be prepared for that. I think um, as a, a clinician myself, I think it's important to know that the clinical community uh, can help greatly with this. Um, many clinicians are uh, educated and learning about how to work with youth who are uh, who wholly identify or who are struggling with understanding what um, these feelings, these, these, um, the sexual orientation uh, is. Um, my recommendation, however, is to make sure that any clinician that you would send a child to actually has experience in yes. yeah. that type of counseling. Um, mm -hmm. Some say they do, and some I think mean to to try. But I think for the sake of the child, um, or for adults for that matter, it's really important to say how many have you worked with. You know, tell me about some of your successes, mm -hmm. so that you know whoever you are going to or sending your child to, uh, you've, you're confident that they have the expertise. And it is a very um, it's a very specific expertise. Yeah, that's an important delineation. Uh, Melanie, uh, let me ask you this. So, you know, we bring up from a parental perspective um, and how that can sort of start to extend out when it comes to seeing that support and, and being part of that support. There's, there's going to be several instances where the, maybe this is the first time it's ever been upfront and personal for somebody. And it's important to kind of uh, normalize, for lack of a better way of putting it, sort of changing your perspective and why maybe an outlook that you've had in the past, it's okay to, to change that. And I think as a society, sometimes we're a little bit apprehensive to embrace that change um, and also to support um, people that are going through that change. So how would you sort of... Um, what would be your advice to people that are kind of for the first time having to deal with this in their own personal life and that maybe in the, in the past have not um, 
been so kind to the LGBTQ community? Uh, yes, I'd say uh, first step back and take a very deep breath okay. and try to um, try to see it from as a objective perspective as you can. Forgive, now I'm talking about, let's say, for instance, parents who have a child come out and this is their first experience. Understand and forgive yourself. Recognize first the kinds of influences that um, you have had around LGBTQ plus people, the kinds of um, uh, culture that you have lived in. And that goes from the family of origin all the way through church and then the greater community um, and forgive you recognize where those those negative feelings come from and forgive yourself for having to walk mm -hmm. through them because mm -hmm. you did not ask to be influenced in this way and then educate yourself there are books there are um, movies there are documentaries uh, there people are people that you might know that you can who are gay who can you can go to and talk to there's a wonderful organization called PFLAG which is uh, parents of lesbian and gays that has been around for oh about 40 years also that consists of parents um, loved ones of people who have come out who have been through it who understand and who can support you. Uh -huh. there, there is a lot of support around. Um, don't try to go it on your own if you're trying to really get to the root of and change those original pattern, thought patterns. Yeah, yeah, well put. Melanie, that, I mean, everything you shared today has been amazing and I think it's gonna be very helpful to many that are many of our listeners. Um, and just, just all about celebrating the community, the pride in the community. And so, so much of what you shared has been amazing. And so. What will you be doing for Pride Month? Well, given that we're still kind of um, at the tail end of COVID, um, there is a, in Cleveland, there is a drive-by pride this year. And so I will be participating in that. Um, um, I will be going to uh, HRC's first in-person board meeting since mm -hmm. uh, COVID began. Um, the headquarters is in Washington, D.C., and that's a great place to um celebrate pride and to uh, be around pride. Uh, DC is very um, supportive of the community. Um, in general, they, I know there are some politicians there who aren't, but in general they are. Um, and uh, just really taking stock of the work we've done, how far we've come. Um, I just want to say to, you know, as we close the podcast, LGBTQ plus people have been um, important aspects of our culture forever. Authors, um, mm -hmm. politicians, priests, um, you know, Episcopal priests, clergy, um, arts, um, um, even 
creating a um, communication system that helped us to win World War II. Mm. Um, we've been a part of the community and I will take some time to maybe read another book about someone and just recognize how much we've contributed. Excellent. Great. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, oh, Melanie, welcome. thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. As always, our podcast, Reset Your Mindset, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on our practice or to schedule an appointment, please visit lifestance.com. That is lifestance.com.